And well, at the start of this new year, as we enter into the last quarter, we've just come into the last quarter of the book of Deuteronomy. Thank everybody for staying the course so far. It's been a bit of a marathon. We're just about to enter into the stadium, I think. I'm sure there's still a lot of lessons in the next few chapters. So stick with us. We'll be looking at chapter 26, just the first verse of it, actually. If we read the first verse. And it shall be, when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance, for an inheritance, and possessest it, and dwellest therein. We go on to verse 2. That thou shalt take of the first of all the fruit of the earth, which thou shalt bring of thy land that the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt put it in a basket, and shalt go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. Just those two verses, mainly the first verse that they are coming to come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance and possessest it and dwellest therein. Over the past few weeks we've met a few people who are fearful of what lies ahead. You know, they, it's just like that they have just put a tentative foot over the threshold of the new year. We talk about we stand at the threshold of a new year. Well, these people have just put their foot over the threshold and they realize that the world this year will be maybe a bit more frightening. What's outside the door as they open it and push it into 2010. Or to use another analogy, they have just dipped their toe in the water of an ocean which lies before them and they see that it is a restless, stormy and threatening sea. I wonder, uh, will you have listened by any chance to our recent podcast on iTunes? This actually was made for this very reason. And before you listen to it, there's, a, there's a, a preamble that you can read. And this is what that preamble says, just in case you, you don't read it. This is all about the man in the street. Will he have a happy new year? The man in the street feels isolated manipulated by politicians and ignored by big business. He is nervous about the future, anxious about his family and children, and worried about growing old. Should he be fortunate to be employed, he somehow has no sense of being appreciated and has a constant fear of becoming another discarded statistic and victim of a takeover 
by some foreign faceless financial institution. His aged mother has permanent anxiety and will not leave her house once dark falls. Even his football club is now owned by a foreign multimillionaire and his local pub is closing. He has no affiliation, however tenuous, with any church and feels that religion has no relevance to him or his family. There was a time when people got married in church, but now as far as he sees, most of his friends' children now don't even bother to get married. Does the Bible have any answers for our man in the street to give him a hope and expectancy? After all, Jesus said that he came to give us life in all its fullness. So what has gone wrong? That's what we say. Now we've all met people like this. And we must be prepared to help with a positive answer. We've turned this podcast into a leaflet. And you can have copies of this. You know, if you are fully trusting our gracious God and Father, then your life should reflect the assurance we have in Jesus Christ of hope and trust for the future. The peace and comfort which Jesus left us by the abiding presence of his Holy Spirit. And the man in the street is looking at you and hopefully wondering what it is you have that his life lacks. We all know that. We've been watched. But you know, it's so, so easy for us to live our lives in the same way as the man in the street. He reads the papers, listens to the news, sees strife all around him. It penetrates his very being. And so he is fearful for the future. And we as Christians can be caught in the same attitude of mind instead of living our lives in the victory of Jesus Christ at Calvary. The blessed hope of his coming soon. That should be filling us day by day. Of the assurance that we have eternal life here and now and the presence of the Holy Spirit indwelling us forever. Forever. That's what Jesus said. And if he said it, it should be enough for you and me. <clears throat> Are people with whom we come in contact daily aware that we have all these blessings in Christ and that they may know my Saviour as their Saviour and friend. You know, it's, it's strange how thoughts come into your head sometimes. I was reading, a, a catalogue came in the other day from a mail order firm. I, I'd never seen it before. And as I was having my coffee, I, I glanced at it. I wasn't interested in it. But it's strange, the thought struck me that if I had been, would I have been willing to send off an order 
and give them my details, etc., having never heard of them. Of course, this opens a whole new discussion, but my point was many people will send off orders to this firm. There is every likelihood of the firm being legitimate, but of course they could be crooks. Nevertheless, people have no way of checking up on them and are prepared to trust them. And that struck me as I was looking at this magazine, or this catalogue. In the Bible, in Scripture, we have the Word of God, proven by so many and in so many ways to be a reliable source of comfort, a way to obtain peace with God, a promise of eternal life, a sure and certain hope for now and eternity, and so on. But people will not believe it. They will believe what it says in the sun or the news of the world. They listen to biased broadcasters on the radio or television and believe them. They'll believe things like the so-called lost gospels. They'll believe atheistic scientists. In fact, they'll believe anything except the word of God. Strange, isn't it? Let's look at that verse, chapter 26, verse 1. The Israelites were about to enter the promised land. But here we have Moses giving instructions in the assurance that they would be there. He doesn't say things like in the likelihood or on the balance of probabilities of you entering the land or things like if God keeps his promises made to you, we cannot be certain until it happens. But if it does, then these are the instructions. No, he didn't speak like that. He spoke and gave instructions in the fullest assurance that they were going in and that they would possess the land and that they would dwell in the land. And it was their inheritance. You know, Moses didn't say if and in the likelihood of. And you know, that is the way people talk about their hope in Christ today. They've no assurance. It's the way many Christians do so. As well. I read a booklet by a, a dean of a cathedral in Ireland and he was looking forward, he said, not to the rapture of the church but to the final judgment, the judgment of the great white throne. I could not believe it. Read the description of that judgment in Revelation 20 and see if you could ever look forward to that event. But you know, that's what people are looking forward to. Not to the rapture, not to be taken up to meet the Lord in the air. They're, they will look forward to the judgment seat 
of God at the great white throne. Praise God, Jesus has told us that those who believe on him will not come into condemnation, that they will not come into judgment. Why? Because he has suffered in my place and been judged in my place. Top Lady's hymn has it. If thou hast my discharge procured and freely in my place endured the whole of wrath divine, Payment God will not twice demand, first at my bleeding surety's hand, and then again at mine. We live in a day of flagrant injustice all around us. You know, we only have to look at our television and we see protest groups again and again protesting against alleged injustices and you know we should be glad to know that our security is based squarely and fairly upon the justice of God Romans 3.26 and Peter, 1 Peter 3.18 says to declare his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him who believeth in Jesus we base our faith and trust on the justice of God because of what Jesus Christ has suffered for you and for me for Christ also hath once suffered for sins the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God Christ has borne the wrath of God for my sins and as that hymn of top lady says Payment God will not twice demand, first at my bleeding surety's hand, and then again at mine. We will not come into judgment. You see, we as Christians must remember our position in Christ. Colossians 3, the first four verses. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. We're heavenly people. Set our affection on our home. For ye are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. We're hidden in Christ, in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. That's our position. Hidden in Christ, in God. Set our affections then on our homeland, our inheritance. You know, I was looking at this and a few times in scripture it says that ye may know, that ye may know. And the three things that struck me that we should know are these. As the Israelites listened to Moses, they had the assurance 
that they would possess this land. There was no doubt about it. First John 5.13 These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. What a good thing to know. That was the first one. Ephesians 1.18 The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. We have a wonderful hope and we have wonderful riches in Christ Jesus. What the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And then this is what we are saying about the man in the street when he looks at you and me. Colossians 4 verse 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. In the street. No, it doesn't say that, but that's what it means. That ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. In, in, in this first verse of Deuteronomy 26, the Israelites are guaranteed an inheritance which would be possessed by them and where they would dwell. Now we haven't read much scripture so I'm going to read a long passage from the first epistle of Peter chapter 1. The word of God is so much better than anything we can ever say. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and it pierces right into our, our very thoughts and hearts and minds. I'm going to read quite a few verses to get this thought over. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has regenerated us again to a living hope, a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and unfading, reserved in heaven for you. No doubt about it. Reserved in heaven for you by the power of God, having been kept through faith to a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, in which you greatly rejoice. Yet a little while, if need be, grieving in manifold temptations. So that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold that perishes, but being proven through fire, might be found to praise and honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love, in whom, not yet seeing, but believing in him, you exult with unspeakable joy, and having been glorified, 
obtaining the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. About which salvation the prophet sought out and searched out, prophesying concerning the grace for you, searching for what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ made clear within them, testifying beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that should follow, to them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us. They ministered the things which are now reported to you by those who have preached the gospel to you in the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. These prophets prophesied, but they didn't have the benefit of those prophecies themselves. They were for you and for me. And these very things the angels desired desire to look into. Therefore girding up the loins of your mind, being sober, perfectly hope for the grace being brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but according to the Holy One who has called you, you also become holy in all conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to the work of each one, pass the time of your earthly residence that's nice, isn't it? We have only a residence here, not a permanent home. Your earthly residence in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, silver or gold, from your vain manner of life handed down from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Indeed, having been foreknown before the foundation of the world, but revealed in the last times for you, those believing in God through him, he who raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope might be in God. Oh, so many people in the world today, they put their faith and hope in politicians, in banks, in all those trivial things. We can put our faith and hope in God. Purifying your souls in the obedience of the truth through the spirit to unfeigned love of the brothers, love one another fervently out of a pure heart. Having been born again, that's the secret, we're born again of the spirit of God having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the living word of God, and abiding forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of men as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls out. Oh, we see that happening all the time. All flesh, if we put our trust in men and in the things around us, we'll discover that they wither up and the flower fades and we're left with nothing.
the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word preached as gospel to you. What a wonderful passage that is. You know, the Israelites, standing on the threshold of the promised land, were assured of a wonderful inheritance and a wonderful future. 2 Corinthians 5.1 says, We know. Another thing we know. We should look at those we knows in scripture. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we know we have a building of God. And house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. But you say, this is 2010. We have to live here for another while. So what, how does that leave me? What's my condition? It's fantastic. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I, the I, has to die. Christ now lives in me. But in that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. The faith of the Son of God who has loved me and given himself for me. So in 2010, what is my motto, my goal, my testimony? What should it be? Philippians 1.21 For me to live is Christ and to die gain. To live as Christ, henceforth for me, my own desire, his face to see. Morn, noon and night, before his throne, he fills my heart with joy alone. To live as Christ, he died for me, and from my sins hath set me free, himself the prize, himself the goal. That speeds my steps and fills my soul. Where'er I go may Christ be seen. That all may know with him I've been. Although it bring reproach and shame. He'll keep me true to his blessed name. From where he is in glory there. I watch for him to soon appear. The little while will soon be gone. And I shall see his face ere long. Amen.